0: To another episode of Raw Reflecting and Analyzing Wrestling, and it's a bit of a twist today. Um, as always, I am one of the hosts, Paul E. Payne, and lately I've been calling myself the Duke of Dreamland and the Sultan of Sleep, but I think this uh particular card may be a contender to take that title away from me. Uh, But before we get into it a little bit, let me uh, kick it over to my co-host to introduce himself. Go ahead, sir.
1: All right. Hello, everybody. My name is Neoplasmic, also known as Kiyota, and I am exhausted after watching this pay-per-view. Not once, but twice.
0: You watched it twice?
1: I watched it twice because the first time I fell asleep.
0: I. That's... Okay, so heads up for anybody out there it has taken uh it has taken us a few days to actually get to this recording because every time i went to watch it i started to fall asleep like just uh, the- straight up i started to now for as, as a quick uh uh aside for everyone we are not uh this particular episode we are not discussing a monday night raw um as we kind of talked about last week uh monday night raw is off because of the dog show or however vince mcmahon (laughs) worded it in commentary um the damn dog show so um we are (laughs) ahead of the actual anniversary by about a week or so but i thought well we thought i should say it might be interesting to sort of see what was going on on the proverbial other channel now of course this was technically a pay-per-view so it wasn't the other channel but uh we're checking out wcw super brawl Brawl. three now again this is we are uh, a you know a a week or two ahead of the actual anniversary of super Brawl super brawl three so technically in the timeline this would take place about a week or two after the next few episodes of of wwf monday night raw that we will cover in the future but we thought as a nice little uh break here in between episodes of monday night raw this could be a fun little thing and of course we made that decision before we actually watched the show we looked at the card we kind of talked about and thought okay this could be interesting this could be interesting and it turned out to be what it went from interesting to making us into resting
1: yes as in exactly exactly
0: (laughs) Uh um, well i gotta say
1: i i gotta say that the best thing that i liked about this whole thing was uh jesse the body ventura on commentary he had some good lines that's about I it
0: i feel like jesse ventura on commentary is what rob bartlett thinks he is on commentary
1: yes exactly that's exactly what he thinks he is i get you i get you completely on that yeah
0: <laughs> for sure uh for those of you of course following along with our uh, monday night raw rewatch you will totally get what we mean by that but oh my goodness <laughs> um now of course this uh, super brawl three took place from asheville north carolina the civic center february 21st 1993 but i did want to back up just slightly uh a few weeks before the card um so actually uh around the 10th of february 1993 bill watts uh resigned as vice president of wrestling operations for wcw now i believe when uh we had the third man uh kevin on a few weeks ago we kind of talked about this and how bill watts um uh not that he was so instrumental in um helping Ric Flair come back to WCW um mm-hmm. but uh we did i believe talk about you know how how Watts was unfortunately uh let go of his position um and i say yeah. unfortunately only because you know uh he he had a lot of good ideas um yeah. you know a- allegedly there were some there were some racist comments that he made but perhaps didn't it, people spoke differently. That's not, that's not me, you know, giving anything a pass or anything. It's just, you know, uh, you hear anybody who, who, you know, talks about, you know, I mean, there are things said on this particular show. Um, I heard something that Ric Flair said that, that, really made I, yes, my I ears did. go wow um, I did hear that I did that hear that that is not something that one would say um you know even in the last say 10 to 15 years uh, I'm very surprised that it was said 30 years ago um but just 2 days after that um Ole Anderson was announced as new vice president of wrestling operations for WCW um, and, of course, it was said, uh, I believe, again, we talked about it in the episode where uh, Flair lost the Loser Leaves WWF match um, to Mr. Perfect. I, I made the comment that um, somewhere in there, uh, Flair went down to WCW and basically Ole Anderson looked at him and said, you just lost on TV. What the F good are you to me or or something like that? But on that same day, at that same time. Um, Eric Bischoff was announced as the executive producer of all WCW television. And um, Bischoff has spoken about this extensively on his podcast. Uh, I don't know uh, if you listen to that show, um, but he talks because he came from working for Vern Gagne in the AWA. And for a very long time there, um, he was kept completely out of all wrestling related things and what i mean by that is he was he was the stick man you know he was a a, an announcer or backstage interviewer or what have you but every like he didn't know kayfabe or anything like that which i can't use that as as this week's word i believe i i did that one already um but uh he uh he he was like basically kept in the dark of all things uh, kind of wrestling related um, in the sense that um, they would do a lot of pre-taped things uh, back in those days and they would do, um, you know, days or weeks even of interviews with the wrestlers. And basically it would be Vern Gagne would have um, all of the, the baby faces, the good guys come in And he would kind of be on the other side of the room, kind of coach them about what they're supposed to say. And then they would go over, film it with Eric Bischoff and, you know, cut, do whatever. But they remained in character the whole time, you know. And then, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. either later that day or the next day, it would be all the heels, the bad guys would come in. And, you know, in terms of what the storylines were were these you know these guys really you know the good guys and bad guys being friends in real life all of that stuff Eric Bischoff was kept away from a lot of that until he was slow and then anytime you know that he would walk into a room or whatever everybody would be you know Zip, dip, 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 nope we're not going to say you know whatever because they 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 kept him away from from a lot of that um cuz it was still a very secret uh circle of of you know who could know and and all that sort of stuff back then so um eventually he got as they say smartened up and um you know he uh he came uh to to know a little bit more and be a little bit more on the uh, operational side but one of the things that he was very uh into when he worked for Vern Gagne was the uh television production aspect of the of their show meaning you know uh camera placements and and local advertising and the sets and you know, all that sort of stuff, and so when he got hired by WCW as, as he says it, a third string or C-string announcer, second to uh Gordon Soley, J- Jim Ross at the time, Tony Schiavone, and so on, um, he, you know, pretty much he flew in for one or two days, did basically the same thing down there, hey, you know, this is Eric Bischoff, and I'm going to talk to such and such today, and then you know fly home and basically he only worked maybe two days or three days if that a week for them and then eventually the the job became available several people including Jim Ross who was Bill Watts's uh, right-hand man went for the the job and it you know basically they all in theory got passed over for Eric Bischoff now again on the wrestling side of it Ole Anderson actually took over for a little while and Eric Bischoff was in charge of producing the TV show. So he didn't know like uh placement of the card or who was gonna, you know, who was gonna go over, meaning win, or you know, any of that sort of stuff. All he was in charge of was uh let's figure out pyro, let's figure out the sets, let's figure out um, <laughs> you know, the the actual um operations and television production side of things. So this is actually the first major show that he had uh, sort of a say in. Obviously, they had done like some house shows and, you know, Saturday nights and things like that. But this is actually the first uh, show that Eric Bischoff was the actual, again, didn't wasn't involved in the wrestling stuff and, you know, booking and, and all of that. But this is the first uh, Eric Bischoff produced WCW show. Hmm. Well, it kind of makes sense. <laughs> this is definitely
1: the product of a first-time booker.
0: <laughs> Promotional consideration paid for by the following. To be the World Wrestling Federation champion, you got to want it every day. It takes an integrated approach to training, and that is what Icopro is all about. <laughs> Well again, not the booker, because that would be Ole Anderson. Well, I mean,
1: yeah, the first time <laughs> producer, let's say yeah. if you use that term.
0: Cause uh mm, I get from like now from from a production standpoint, I thought it was Production standpoint it was fine. Except I don't get the little
1: vignettes that they were doing in between, like the little bumpers that they were doing with like Vader and Sting, and he's like going into like the, the mountain or something. I know that yeah, they were trying I to do the know. White Castle of Fear thing. That was weird.
0: I didn't understand that at all. I didn't
1: get that at all. Like Sting goes, Sting goes. Oh, I seem to remember this or something, and then it's just like nothing. I don't know yeah. what that was. Anyway, it
0: was hey, weird. that was something. If you if you look back, uh, I don't know. We, I think we talked about this. You didn't. You said you didn't get a whole lot of WCW when you were. Um,
1: I got like uh, uh yeah. I mean, I I think the first time I ever saw wrestling was a WCW show or at least an NWA show i think it was wc
0: one of the things that i remember especially mm, i don't even want to just put it as pre-hogan because hogan was the year after yeah. this in 94 but let's just say pre-nitro, yep.
1: pre-nitro one of the things
0: yeah. you know pre-nitro which was 96 i want to yeah. say end of 95 beginning of 96 something like that one of the things yeah. they they would do these like mini movies sort of thing one one that everybody that's remembers true is um what is it sting and bulldog and somebody else with the shark on the beach beach blast yeah 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 you know everybody that. everybody remembers that so like that was something that they just did I, I don't get it and maybe it was them trying to in theory compete with you know the glitz and glamour uh, of, of of the wwf but uh yeah, it was it it was not good.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was just strange, you know. Like it was it was very like I don't know. It was just weird, just strange. Um, in any case, can I say the first thing that struck me about this uh is that when Johnny B. Bad comes out to join Eric Bischoff and Missy Hyatt and and the song, okay, like I don't remember ever hearing this so clearly when when listening to his music as entrance music. But the fact that they say he's as pretty as a picture, he looks just like a little Richard is hilarious to me. Well, I remember when I was a kid, like I, I because
0: I mean, he really
1: does. I mean, the fact that they actually say it in the song is, like, yeah. you know, my God, that's pretty funny. Yeah. I mean, um, let's just let's just, you know, completely own it, I guess. <laughs>
0: I know uh mark course. Merrow though what
1: a difference uh, a company makes because
0: uh well that's it the funny thing is so if you if again if you if you listen i mean and and i this is just me i you know i pretty much listen and and watch a lot of uh, a lot of wrestling and behind the scenes stuff in general film and all that um yeah. but one of the things is that apparently so the the johnny b bad character like you just yeah. said mark played by mark marrow um, yeah. the character was a Dusty Rhodes creation, of course, um, it was, of course, it was, <laughs> and um, <laughs> it does. but he well, never really got like past being an entrance. That's not to say he wasn't good in the ring, but other than the entrance, the character never necessarily got over. However, there, you, you know, you hear from from sort of both sides that that is little... what
1: cannon thing that he shot
0: right that's what Vince <laughs> wanted Vince wanted yeah. that character and then of course. Mark Marrow got up there and he realized that Mark Merrow was not like that and that was the character and obviously you can't you know that was it was a WCW owned character sort of thing yeah you know and so then you got the the Mark Merrow like they had to figure out something else for Mark Merrow yeah and it just it was not the same, especially once you know, definitely was not the same, they, especially definitely once they same. met his then other half, <laughs> yeah, Sable, yeah, at the time. Sable, <laughs> um, so do we know any of uh,
1: anything about this Max Payne guy? Because, uh, other than the fact that he sued um, he sued the a video game company because they also had a game called Max Payne,
0: um, let's see. I I I know I've like I, heard I do of not him remember and... him or know him from anything. He was okay. He was in the WWF as Man Mountain Rock. Nope, I'm okay. <laughs> not ringing a bell. It it well okay. Um, let's see. So yeah, he was in the WWF. Uh, he actually so his name his real name. I looked him up on Wikipedia very quickly. His real name is Daryl Peterson. Um. He worked for the World Wrestling Federation in March of 86, putting together the Steel Cage for the main event of WrestleMania 2. He he then went to work for uh, New Japan, where he trained alongside uh, Chris Benoit, actually, for five months. Uh, He then developed the character Max Payne, short for Maximum Payne, of course. Of course. Of course. Um, A sinister, grungy, Jimi Hendrix loving heavy metal guitarist. His original idea was Lucifer Payne, but he felt that this was too foreboding. Um, He can never be too foreboding, sir. He then used uh, Max Payne hailing from Hell's Kitchen, New York. Um, He worked for the UWF, the Universal Wrestling Federation, uh, the Continental Wrestling Association, which is basically another way of saying Tennessee. Tennessee. Or Memphis, which is uh Jeff Jer- or well, Jerry Jarrett and Jerry Lawler's uh promotion. Mm-hmm. Um blah, 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 blah. he worked with uh he opened his own promotion in Utah for a little bit where he had Louis Bicoli hmm. wrestle for him. Uh nice. he then appeared as a jobber on primetime wrestling, losing to Bret Hart. Um he then went to WCW ninety three. Uh it says world uh, world championship wrestling booker bill watts was impressed by peterson's amateur credentials and hired him in 1993 with peterson relocating to mariana georgia peterson made his televised debut in wcw as the villain max Payne on the january 30th 1993 episode of worldwide by defeating local competitor scott allen so he had really only been in the company about a month at this point um his first pay-per-view match was at Super Brawl 3 where he helped play, there you go. Or where he played taps on the guitar. Yep. Uh, before challenging Justin Rhodes, of course. Bischoff's we'll face ass. during that was hilarious. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um you know, more continues on and then uh yeah, he yeah. was yeah. he was released and then in 1995, um he was actually contacted by Rick Rude uh who convinced Vince McMahon to hire him and renamed him as Man Mountain Rock um and then yeah apparently he unfortunately it looks like developed a uh drug habit substance abuse uh problem and he may have uh may have solicited some ladies of the evening perhaps um uh in between 95 and 03 he went to Germany and wrestled as Buffalo Peterson. Buffalo Peterson, hmm. yes. And then, yes. Uh, as you said, Good. he in in July of two thousand three, he filed a ten million dollar lawsuit against Rockstar oh, and Rockstar other. and remedy, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then in two thousand four, he Payne. officially announced his retirement. I like the at least the first Max Payne game. The second one was okay, in my opinion um yeah, yeah, one yeah. Of the only times you'll ever hear me say something about a video game because i don't think you've ever heard me say anything about a video game no actually that's, <laughs> that's a
1: groundbreaking podcast tonight all right in more ways than one um Okay, shall we talk about, let, let's talk about the matches so that we can get this show out of the way, I think.
0: <laughs> uh, yes. Um, let's also, get this, this done. <laughs> one other quick note that I thought sure. was interesting um, was that I found a note that said that, uh, it's, this isn't surprising, but Matt Hardy was actually in attendance for this show. That's Ooh. not surprising, of course, being from North Carolina, but uh, yeah, if he was there, that's, that's kind of cool. Wow. All right just because I mean we got to think even just what was it like it would have only been maybe two or three years later that they were they were at I believe it was King of the Ring and they started you know whatever so pretty much this would have been the time if you know their history they would have been doing um, they would have been probably starting Omega which is their uh, wrestling company Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. in every generation there is a chosen one she alone will stand against the vampires, the demons, and the forces of darkness. She is the Slayer. And now, thanks to Shelves Entertainment, we bring you Buffyverse and Converse, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer universe-themed podcast as we re-watch every episode of the beloved franchise. Whether you're a first-time viewer, or been a fangtastic fan from the beginning, this show has something for you. So check us out wherever you get your podcast and celebrate with us as we celebrate 25 years of Buffy rolling into Sunnydale and into our geeky hearts.
1: Oh, that's very cool.
0: So yes, okay, so the matches.
1: All right. <laughs> the matches, very exciting. Exciting matches, I must say. Um, so first up, we got marcus alexander bagwell the future buff bagwell and eric watts uh the i believe the son of cowboy bill watts yep and uh they are versus the hollywood blondes which is of course fly and brian pillman and stunning steve austin how fun how what a fun fun combo um stunning steve austin of course becoming Stone Cold Steve Austin later in his career and and just lighting lighting shit up everywhere that he went but like I gotta say like it's so interesting to see him with the blonde hair playing like this pretty boy type character always a heel like stunning Steve man good days that took me back that took me back a little bit so let me ask you about this Eric Watts guy because it's interesting to note the crowd reaction here. It, and and to the point that Jesse Ventura literally mentions it, like people do not seem to like Eric Watts. Is it because they thought that he was in there because of nepotism, or what what was it in your view?
0: I think it was definitely a nepotism thing. I think it was also and well, I guess it plays hand in hand with with the nepotism thing because, he was it's not that he was or wasn't good but he just wasn't as good as the other competitors in the match yeah yeah you could kind of see it you know like um, even even um you know obviously as you said you know Steve Austin goes on to be um argue i mean it, the the only argument in my opinion the only other argument is Hulk Hogan in terms of yeah. hottest act ever in the business yeah I'm gonna yep. I, they the rock does not even compare to the two of them in my opinion. people can fight me all they want.'m not saying the rock, you know the rock is is the biggest draw worldwide now, yes, but in terms of professional wrestling, it it, it is and it's one one a whatever way you want to figure it out, it is Hogan and Austin, and sometimes they can be switched I, again, it's it's depending on which which you know whatever. but. No, and that's in an my interesting opinion, study in and it of itself. <laughs> in my opinion, nobody else even comes close. Not John Cena, not The Rock, no, not Ric Flair, not nobody. But that's. I think that's what it is. I think. I think that's. You know. It's. It's. Yeah.
1: The, I. I. I the agree. Thing. I think it was the nepotism. Um. Anyway, it was a match that happened. Uh, I can't say that I was overly. Thrilled with how that match went. I I felt like it was very long and drawn out, and um, it's interesting to see like especially Bagwell Pillman and and Austin doing their thing in early of their careers. Very, you know, um, I did enjoy watching that. But in terms of in terms of the match itself, I was just like, okay, this is this is this is fine. Obviously, you know, that's I'm not taking away anything from like their athleticism or their performance that night of course but it's just that as a as a viewer i was like okay this is yeah it's all right for what it is um and of course you know of course the hollywood blondes win so
0: in my opinion not much to say about it in my opinion second best match of the card okay um very the most interesting thing about this match to me it well, two most interesting things are uh one, if you only know Steve Austin as stone cold, cold Steve austin, uh, yeah and, it's... yeah, meaning like you never like we yeah, uh, so on 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 the 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 previous wrestling podcast I did, we actually actually it was Kevin that was uh he he kind of picked the topic because we would let the guests pick a, a topic it, it, you know, if they were gonna be on or whatnot, and he uh he had us uh watch the kind of it was clips basically of um when austin left wcw and went to ecw before Mm -hmm. he then went to wwf where he was basically doing his parody of it was what was it monday nyquil or whatever he did um where he was basically doing his parody of uh of stone or of um hulk hogan and whatnot and um (laughs) it's it's interesting to see um steve austin being able to do more. This is like pre injuries, Austin. You would like, you, there are so many moves that you see stunning Steve Austin of the Hollywood Blondes do that you would mm-hmm. never be able to see stone cold Steve Austin do. Yeah. Of knee injuries it's so and Deck injuries and all that sort of stuff. He is comparable to. The I don't I hesitate to say the cruiserweights, but pretty close. Yeah, like um, and then obviously we know what ended up happening uh, along the way the journey of uh, him and Brian Pillman, um, and then like you said, Buff Bagwell. But that's the thing I think is interesting is like years later, it was interesting to see them. Yeah, um, years later, uh, you know the invasion and. Buff Bagwell comes into the WWF at the time and you know he's he's told don't look at the cam I uh, you know I've heard a story where he was told right before he went out don't look into the camera and he's like that's my thing and um you know so so and then he he maybe couldn't take it or whatever and uh he had his mom call off for him allegedly and he you know has has uh, you know a feud with with Jim Ross to this day about it and all this other stuff and mm. he that's where he that's how he ended up. Obviously, unfortunately, Pillman no longer with us. I, I wish you know, similar like we talked about, I believe it was Owen uh last week or the week before. Um yeah. you know, I wish we, we could have seen more what happened with uh, I, I, with Pillman. Yeah. But yeah, same, same to here. see to see where one of these four guys went on to become the biggest box office draw. In the history of the business and then one of the other guys went on to be what, (laughs) you know what I mean, like (laughs) kicked out of the building by that same guy, Um, you know, in, in that match that I just talked about. Uh, the the time when they tried to say hey can wcw be its own brand under the wwf umbrella and whatever so it's mm-hmm. just that that's the other interesting thing to me but again the, to me the main takeaway from this was what if you've never seen anything other than stone cold steve austin yeah definitely. go back and watch this go back and watch stunning, stunning steve, steve austin. austin is actually yeah. really good
1: so weird to see him with blonde hair so weird
0: oh yeah air at all (laughs) yeah
1: but um anyway yeah okay so yeah i think you liked it uh, more than i did i i just like uh, this whole card for me was really hard to get through it was just really tough um anyway so then we had uh, an annoying segment where Missy Hyatt tries to interview Ric Flair and forget about that because I'm not even going to mention it because it's irritating.
0: Um, Actually, well, I, I'm sorry. I do the the one thing I do want to mention is that's another reason but, uh, that we kind of talked about doing this was because it is once again kind of the follow up to what we covered uh, of you know an episode or two ago where we had the you know Flair leaves WWF that is match. True. So that is when true. we when we saw this and we, we talked about there how. I believe he wouldn't get back into the ring until I want to say July or something because of the the uh non compete like in ring he could still show up, but uh when we were talking sort of about, oh, what did we want to do during the the break from the Monday Night Raw episode, and we as you know we we kind of said like, oh, maybe let's talk about what's going on on the other channel, and we were like, oh, this is not only you know, an interesting show in terms of it was a pay-per-view happening at the same time, but it is actually Ric Flair's, um, you know, return to the company. So.
1: Hello, all listeners. I am Jacob known as the streaming demon over at Renegade Pop Culture. Need a distraction from all the chaos in the world? Well, so do we. And that's why we discuss all kinds of media that we love movies, cartoons, music, comics, games, you name it. We cover it with gaming, respectful, honest, and enthusiastic perspectives. Find us on Podchaser, Banana Meter, Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. Or hop over to RenegadePopCulture.com. renegade Pop Renegade Popculture. Need escape. So do we.
0: It, that's I mean, this that's right. I there. mean, that's, I, that's we saw the, the signs and thing. we saw, you know, we we heard it, whatever at the beginning, and people chanting and whatnot. But there it was. Yeah. Like he came there back was, in finally. the you know, limousine yeah. riding and you know. Wheeling dealing, all you know, son of a gun, all that
1: stuff. With his with his security guards, his entourage, and, so. and three um, women
0: at least. Of course.
1: Of course. Of course. Um, next match that we had is Chris Benoit versus Two Cold Scorpio. Two Cold Scorpio, a name that I haven't heard in ages, because I haven't been watching. But you know. One might um, say. He's I funky. Thought- he is very funky, and I I adore him for that. Um, well, he was, was flash-funk was... in the
0: WWF, for those who aren't aware. Exactly,
1: exactly. This was a very grueling match. Like, you could tell these guys really gave it their all. They did a really great job, I thought, in terms of the technical wrestling. Lots of grappling, lots of high-flying, very athletic. Um, As a matter of fact, Shib- Tony Schiavone calls them athletes, and ben- Jesse Ventura, Bench- <laughs> <laughs> Jesse Ventura is like is like, well every wrestler's an athlete, Shivani. I mean, <laughs> it was great. Um I I love the fact that Ventura just got really like he seemed to get a little steamed at Shivani for calling them athletes. It was entertaining. Um I think also, another great line that Ventura had was was uh, somebody's got to teach you the difference between a peel and a hip toss, Shivani. <laughs> that was a good one. Um, the I thought this was this was a match with some of the hardest hitting like moves of the night of the card. Apart from getting you know smacked with a with a leather strap, but I mean, like, did you see the turnbuckle shot yeah. that Benoit did on Scorpio? My God, that sounded nasty.
0: In my opinion, this was this. I said the the first match, the Hollywood Blondes uh, match. Yeah, second best match. I think this is the best match on the card. Personally. I think this is
1: the best match as well. Personally, um, if, yeah. If you yeah, can,
0: uh, if you can, because obviously, I, and I understand that some people can't watch anything related to Chris Benoit, and you know, I I'm not going to fault you for that. I understand everybody has mm-hmm. their own their own thing. No, I understand you, that too. If if you're someone who can watch it, watch this match. It is fantastic. Yeah. Except for the one line. It's a Ventura grueling says, match. It is. Except for the one line that made me go, ooh, when Ventura says something about Chris Benoit. Yeah. And, I'm going to say it, okay? For, so forgive me, everybody. He says he has a killer instinct. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Oh, my God. Oh, no. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. It's terrible. This is the this is a Paul heel turn here. Yeah. You turned you turned face a week or so ago. I'm turning heel now by laughing at such a terrible line. But oh my god,
1: I got You know what was another uh another line that that made me cringe a little was when uh, Tony Schiavone at one point tells Jesse Ventura, "Don't talk with ice in your mouth."
0: What he does, he says it. <laughs>
1: Like at one point Ventura's saying something and he's like giving Shivani a hard time. And then Shivani just turns around on him and says, don't talk with ice in your mouth. I don't know what that means
0: anyway. But yeah, no, I do. I, I think this was now, and you said about like, it's a very hard hitting match. Um, You know, yeah. Benoit was, was very much known for, as they say, laying it in, you know, yeah. not necessarily uh, uh not purposely trying to hurt the person, but also not trying to. Maybe be as protective. Maybe be a little snug, it as they a say. Bit of a. I mean, yeah, you, you you could tell that some of those, some
1: of those, uh, some of those strikes and some of those blows had some force behind them. Right. But um, man, Scorpio though, I got to tell you, like, I I was very impressed by like all the the jumping spin kicks and everything. Like that dude. Just, he was, yeah, really something, really something, something to watch.
0: Very entertaining. Like I said, and, they, and I said before about the, how the, the other, you know, the other guys moved, you know, cruiser, cruiserweights, you know, and obviously yeah. uh, Benoit known for a very long time as being a cruiserweight, being a smaller guy and whatnot. But, yeah. um, this match, um, and it's something that WCW became known for later once, um, once Eric Bischoff did start to take over, sort of the actual booking of the mm-hmm. of the wrestling side of things, you know the the Monday Nitro uh, era and things like that, where they would put some of these matches early on to get the crowd into it. You know that's why you would see your Rey Mysterios, your Dean Malinkos, Juventud Guerreras, and you know all those guys at the beginning of the of the the show, whether it be a you know television show or a pay per view. Because what better way to get the crowd, you know, into it and up on their feet right at the beginning than having, you know, some of the like high flying mm-hmm. and, and a lot of the technical based stuff. And, uh, you know, it's it's kind of shades of that here all the way back in 1993. True, true. Uh, OK, let's
1: move on. Next match, we got Wild Bill Irwin, who comes to the ring with the bull bullwhip. Literally whipping the announcers, <laughs> whipping the ring announcer, or trying to anyway, and the referee as well. Um, and he's versus, of course, the British bulldog Davy Boy Smith. They actually refer to him as Davy Boy Smith. Interesting. Also, coming to the ring with different music, which just blows my 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 mind in a way. Um. But yeah, I mean I'm I'm just so not used to seeing Bulldog without his, you know, patented music. But um
0: Well, I believe they said this was his debut his first
1: in... WCW appearance.
0: Yeah. Um Yeah. And it's it's interesting. So in the previous one, and this is this is gonna be the PW PW of this, uh, the pro wrestling parlance with Paul, if you will. Um in the previous uh match, we had Chris Benoit and uh uh jesse ventura commented that he trained in Stu hart's uh basement Um, uh dungeon the dungeon yeah i don't i don't think they name checked it as the dungeon but i don't think they did either it is it is the dungeon and um obviously davy boy smith uh trained there a little bit but he and uh dynamite kid tom billington learned over in england um and obviously uh davy boy smith related to the hart family chris benoit for a long time was um you know uh often touted as you know one of the people that came from uh the heart dungeon as they call it and it really was just Stu hart's va- ba- uh, basement i don't know if if uh you've ever just, seen the yeah. vi- you know video footage or anything of of the the dungeon it's very small um you know not like very short like pretty much i don't know if i'd be able to walk around in there um without yeah. you know slouching over i'm i'm a relatively tall guy um you know but it, it's also very cramped and um I've seen some footage things like that but it's you know it's often it's the legendary heart dungeon so if you've ever heard uh people you know referred to as being from the dungeon or anything like that um you know that's that's what that is and that's uh that's this week's it's not necessarily a behind the scenes term um but it is uh one that gets thrown around very often so um I felt that these two uh matches would kind of be like a nice bridge to sort of talk about that because it's interesting to me to see how, I mean, obviously somebody being trained from there is, is one thing, but to see how over on the other channel, as we, as we kind of say, um, with the WWF, you have Bret Hart as the world champion. We've seen Owen Hart. He's not as big as he will be in a few years um, in, you know, in 94 and five and and so on. Um, but then, Davy boy smith is basically gone from the company and he's now here in wcw so it's it it, what it what it actually made me think of is um whenever you hear the guys from the click dx nwo what have you and uh they talked about how when you know uh hall and nash went south it wasn't so much us versus them it was click north and click south and i believe uh Shawn Michaels at one point says, you know, the click owns this business, and he was referring to the fact that those guys were down south kind of quote unquote running things, and some of the guys were up north running things. So it was just interesting to see sort of some of the uh, the Hart family members, if you will, because again, we had Brian Pillman earlier who was in a family member, but he's closest family he was later included in the Hart, uh, the Hart Foundation uh, faction. So we have Brian Pillman and Davey Boy Smith here, and then again on the quote-unquote other channel, we have Brett and Owen Hart, who would become this, you know, the the big faction uh, later on.
1: Yes, correct, correct.
0: Hi, friends. This is Ruth from Just Plain Crazy Face Art of Northeast Pennsylvania. We are now accepting bookings for birthday parties as well as festivals. We offer face painting, glitter tattoos, as well as henna body art. We also offer the option of adding games or crafts to your party as well. Please check out our party services page on our website, justplaincrazyfaceart.com. Our face painting is done with water-based cosmetic products that are easily removed with soap and water. Let us use our 18-plus years in business to help you add color and fun to your event. We also have a large network of talented face art friends around the world, so even if we're not local to you, we probably know artists who are. Feel free to contact us to put you in touch with artists in your area. Bill Irwin, by the way, is uh, later known in the WWF as the goon, the hockey player, the (laughs) hockey player, uh, wrestler guy during the occupational gimmicks era of the. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. Well, I don't think it's any secret that Bulldog was going to win this match, but um, very. Oh, yeah. No. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, of course. On his debut. Uh Wasn't and like then he promos, promo of after. course. Yeah, yeah the promo was awesome, right? He's like, Well, at least he 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 has a goal in mind. He wants to be the world's heavyweight champion, challenges big van Vader. That could be an interesting contest for sure. He
0: um so that sure goes that, that goes back to what we talked about in the previous one where uh, Brutus the barber beefcake didn't have a goal. So I like exactly. that he had a goal.
1: Yeah, I, I like that he like had the, a
0: goal. I don't like the fact that he doesn't know the name of the company nor the name of the championship. <laughs> the world champion heavyweight world's champion heavyweight chip or something. <laughs> like... Yeah, that
1: was amazing. <laughs> that was amazing. Uh, Next match that we have is Cactus Jack versus Mr. Wonderful Paul Ordorf. And it is a false Count Anywhere match and it is exactly the kind of match that, that Cactus Jack or Mick Foley
0: oh, built his match. career upon. So, yeah, it's a hardcore, yeah, it's a
1: hard-core <laughs> match. That's essentially what it is. You know what though? Have I got that back then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was just false count anywhere. Um, I gotta say, like Orndorff was in pretty great shape back then. Like he did a he he. That was a that was a match. It was a match.
0: Pretty yeah, good it one. wasn't. It wasn't bad. It wasn't great. Um, it wasn't I great. Believe, I believe I said the phrase uh, last episode. Not bad. You know, it was good. Well, yeah, not bad. And then I'll probably never think about it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. There were a couple
1: of suplexes over the railing that just made me. Crazy oh yeah, when, when bit, he hits like, his like,
0: lower I'm back, yeah, that was, it was actually a really good spot. Yeah. Ooh,
1: that was a good spot. Um and uh and interesting that that Orndorff is the is the guy that that does the figure four um uh, and the announcers do pick up on that and they're like okay well rick flair is back you know let's have a figure four on the
0: show um well did you see when he was towards the end yeah. he was doing the hulk hogan yeah. uh hand cup to the ear thing he was doing the hulk hogan yeah he was he was
1: that was entertaining But yeah, again, it was well, and of course, it ends with with Cactus Jack hitting him. It ends with Cactus Jack hitting him with the huge shovel, so (laughs) hitting him for the win. (laughs) Okay, let's talk about the Heavenly Bodies versus uh, with Jim Cornette versus the Rock and Roll Express. So the Heavenly Bodies, you know, with Jim Cornette as their manager, and there were three guys, right? There's Stan Lane, Tom Pritchard. Dr. Tom Pritchard, by the Dr. way, Dr. Tom Pritchard. And uh and beautiful Bobby, Bobby Eaton. Um, who we lost fairly recently. Um it interesting um the uh the the fallout of this match, which I'm getting ahead of myself here a little bit. But they are facing off against the Rock and Roll Express, Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson. And um <laughs> Jesse the body with this line of mountains should be covered with snow, not rednecks.
0: (laughs) Like I said, Boy, boy. Um, okay, Ventura is what Rob Bartlett wishes he could be.
1: I mean, it's true. It is true. Um, Bobby Eden is sent to the back, of course, you know, immediately as soon as the match starts because he can't have three on two. It's not a handicap match. Um, I love the line about Ventura saying that, that Cornette reminds him of an irate John McEnroe. He's like, Tim Cornette's a very emotional guy. Um, it was interesting to see just how, like, the Rock and Roll Express was just very much in control of this match from, from the outset until, like, you know, until, like, Cornette gets up there and does the heel thing and starts really, you know, d- uh, distracting the ref and just cheating a whole hell of a lot. Um, I thought in terms of the match itself, again, it was, it was okay for me. You know, it was okay. I don't know if I'm, like, a huge, like... I'm a big fan of the Rock and Roll Express. I really love them, and uh, and the Heavenly Bodies were good. Everybody did like good work, but it's just that I don't know. As a viewer, maybe de- it definitely wasn't my favorite match of the of the uh, of the card.
0: Yeah, I sure. mean, I don't, I don't think there's such a bad thing. Maybe I'm wrong because I, I, I can't say I'm like a historian on the team, but um, I think yeah. you'd be hard pressed to find people who would say that they've seen or would acknowledge a bad rock and roll express match Um, i don't think there's ever been a bad one no right (laughs) they're really good they're great dr tom pritchard is probably one of the the most unsung heroes of professional wrestling in my opinion i mean the people yes you know he what he did in the ring but let me put it this way i'm going to say this just for a few people who may not know he trained sure he, well, helped train, but arguably trained The Rock, Kurt Angle, Vince McMahon, in terms of, it, like, that's, like, wow. those are, th- I mean, okay, yeah, Vince McMahon, whatever, but, like, those are three names that are, like, <laughs> cause, you know what I mean, in terms of, of professional wrestling, especially oh, when Vince was like an in-ring competitor back in that time in the late, you know, late 90s or whatever. Like that's what he used to do. He uh, you know, he I believe uh now co-owns a wrestling school with Glenn Jacobs, aka Kane. Um mm-hmm. and, you know, he's he's done, you know, extensive uh, interviews and podcasts and all that stuff. But chances are if you have a favorite WWF attitude era star, chances are Tom Pritchard had a hand in helping to train them.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: That's, I mean, that's what, like, there he is pro again, probably one of the most influential people that's influential, just prolific. Unsung.
1: Yeah, 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 very unsung. Um so the interesting thing like I alluded to before was that you know you had you had some shenanigans happen because of course Bobby Eaton does come down to the ring while Cornette and 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 I think it's I think it's Stan Lane and Cornette they're uh, distracting the ref and Eaton jumps off the top rope to try to deliver a a knockout blow to Ricky Morton but instead Morton uh, you know he dodges and of course Eaton hits Pritchard then causes, you know, uh Robert Gibson to come in, make the cover, and of course the Rock and Roll Express wins. So then it looks like the the Heavenly Bodies are having a little falling out session in the corner because Eden's just getting uh, you know, he's 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 getting talked talked to by the uh by Stan Lane and um Tom Pritchard. So Cornett seems to kind of take Eden's side or tries to like play Peacemaker, but Obviously, the uh, the time was running short for their uh, little alliance, I think.
0: Right. <laughs> Promotional consideration paid for by the following. WWF figures give you the fury of the hitman, and the bite of the bulldog,
1: and the firepower sergeant slaughter. WWF figures hit sold separately, dig it? That was, uh, that was very interesting, though. I thought that was good kind of fallout. You know, very believable. So, well done. Um. On that, too front. Many, anyway, uh,
0: too too many cooks in the kitchen, sort too of too many thing. cooks
1: and too many cor- too many cornets in the uh, in the tennis racket, <laughs> the tennis court, so to speak. Um, next match: Dustin Rhodes versus Max Payne for the U.S. heavyweight title. All right. Uh, Before I, don't I know, say so that I'm I a terrible much... person,
0: because like I say this and I like Dustin Rhodes. I think you know I do obviously too. the the the, the the natural Dustin Rhodes. Eh, I'm not so big mm-hmm. on whatever the kind of early stuff like this. Gold Dust, yeah. fantastic, b- groundbreaking character. Um, very much so very much his, so. His his run sort of with Cody in in AEW at the beginning of of AEW. That was fa- great. Fantastic, fantastic. I pretty much. I was drifting off to dreamland during this one. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Dustin. Rhodes. You deserve better than that. For a
1: while. (laughs) Yeah. It went for a while. It felt long. It really did. And then to, to have it sort of end the way that it does with, with, you know, obviously they're trying to make Max Payne into this villainous character, this heel character that, that can challenge someone like Dustin Rhodes, which I, which I do understand. And I don't think that anybody did like a, like a horrible job here, but I just think that I, I didn't buy that that Max Payne would be a, a credible, like, you know, that he was gonna be US heavyweight
0: well, champ. As they as they kept reminding us, so um correct me if I'm if I'm wrong in my in my timeline here. So at the beginning of the show, um he opened up he being Max Payne, pronouns pal. Yeah. Um that's a Vince McMahon thing. Pronouns pal. Um he uh he opened up the show playing was the national anthem on guitar? Yes, it was the national. Yes. And and then somewhere along the line, <laughs> it could have been then, it could have been a little later, they basically said how he, Max Payne, was going to be taking on Dustin Rhodes for the yeah. US heavyweight championship only because Ron Simmons Ron was Simmons not able was, to make wow. it. Yeah. So yeah that's why because uh you know we had said earlier like oh he only debuted a month before so it's like wait why is he getting a a a championship shot because apparently he was taking over for ron simmons somehow some way and then at another point he came out and he was talking about himself and his guitar norma Jean. um and he played taps my favorite part about that was and i it just i i had to pause it because i was laughing so hard he's just like giving like it this this what's supposed to be an impassioned promo. And then he literally just for like, not even three seconds, just looks up at the sky and goes, mother, like, (laughs) like in the middle of the sentence where he's like, and I'm going to take Dustin Rhodes and I'm going to beat him up mother. And then he just goes back to doing the promo again. That was a little
1: weird. (laughs) I think I don't know too
0: much about his character or anything like that, but that was just it. It had me laughing so hard,
1: but it's then by that, the, again,
0: by the time the match came, I was like, I just don't care. And don't get yeah, me wrong, not that I really cared about a lot of them, but like, you know, some of like some of them again, the 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 Hollywood Blondes, I like, you know, several of the people in that Chris Benoit and Too Cold Scorpio. I like those performers. You know, Davy Boy Smith, I like that. You know, I, I like Bill Irwin. Um Cactus Jack, I'm a you know, a big McFoley fan. Um Paul Orendorf, you know, I could I could take him or leave him. Um and even the Rock and Roll Express and, and Tom Pritchard, oh, yeah, like Orndorff. we said. And you know, Dustin Rhodes, I like, but I just could not in any way, shape, or form get into this match even slightly. Same. Same.
1: Yeah, so it ends in a disqualification. Max Payne loses, of course, and uh Dustin Rhodes retains championship, and they have a little tete tete outside the ring after the match, and uh, you know, and Dustin Rhodes pretty much gets the uh he gets the final word in because he just drop kicks Max Payne in the face with uh, about three referees trying to separate him. So yeah, that, that's a thing that happens. All right. Um so Flair. Finally makes his his entrance, makes his grand appearance. Um as little, you know, he comes he he does the I'm back in WCW promo. Flair is on commentary with uh Jesse Body Ventura and Tony Schiavone for the NWA title match, which is the next match on the card. And that is between the great Muda, the Great Muta, and Barry Wyndham.
0: Great Muda and for Muta what it's worth
1: is as the of the NWA heavyweight championship.
0: Uh great Muda for what it's worth as of the time of this recording is is or has just uh retired. I think he just retired, yes. Yeah. yeah. the he like, he just had his final
1: match. Yeah. So yeah. um Green Muda uh, is of course lives up to his name.
0: Legendary. Legendary. For multiple reasons, but yeah. legendary. Yeah.
1: You know, I think that this was probably my my second favorite match on the card for me personally. Okay, I can see I, that. I think it was because it was a uh, yeah. I mean, like you know, like I said, I like the in ring stuff, so I kind of i i enjoyed seeing the uh, the the just the tempo of this match and just like the way that Muda just kept working on Wyndham and just kept that side headlock on. I mean, that was that that was actually a very interesting sort of like I think uh way to play this this match out um I think Barry wyndham definitely definitely deserved to have that n w a championship at the end. I think he deserved to win it, but Buddha really impressed. In terms of his uh, his grappling and his just like athleticism and everything like that, and let's talk about the flare line because I think that that's the one. I think I know which one you're talking about. Um, we don't necessarily have to say it. But I think that it was. Let's just let's just say he definitely he, a line that the first time I watched, I was like, "Wait a minute, did I hear that correctly?" And I had to like go back and rewind it a few times because I was just like, "Oh wow, this is." Uh... Yeah, I don't used... think it was purposeful. I don't know if it was, but I think that Flair
0: was, you know, I, I it, it, it's, a, it's a slur. He used the shortened yeah. form of the word Japanese. Japanese, yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's what it is. Like, if you, it, that's you know, what it is, like yeah. it, it's, and it's absolutely terrible that it happened. And again, it's not something that I'm like, oh my gosh, let's cancel Ric Flair or any, I mean, if, you know, for the millions of reasons you could. Um, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying that that's <laughs> that that's what it is or anything. It's just an yeah. unfortunate thing. I would like to think that he's he's learned, you know, I, I in think the thirty it... years since. I honestly think that it was a a,
1: yeah, I don't think that he intended it as an insult to Muda or any or anyone of of Japanese descent. No, I would hope not. (laughs) But, you know, I think that he was just I I think he was just kind of like, you know, he was on commentary. He was, you know, he was just kind of going with it. And other than that line, I actually really liked him on commentary and thought that he was quite good. And I liked his banter with just Ventura.
0: His comment. Okay, that thank you. You brought it up. Okay, good. The Mm -hmm. love fest between him and Ventura was weird. Not bad, but weird. Mm. And the the thing that got me was... (laughs) I liked liked it. I didn't. I'm not saying I disliked it, it was just weird to me. But the thing that got me, and I can't remember exactly how it was said, but it was said something about um oh, uh, either Flair said it first or, or Ventura said it first about Flair being able to go 60 minutes. Oh, <laughs> right, and they, then well, they call me the 60 minute man, buddy, <laughs> and then right. And then because uh, I think I think Ventura was like, oh, Flair knows a little bit of something about going, you know, 60 minutes or whatever. And again, that could be a double oh entendre with God, regards that to was such championship a matches have a 60 such minute time limit or, you know, with the ladies. Entendre. And yes, then Flair yes, says they called me the 60 minute man. And then somewhere like maybe it's like two sentences later, there's another like double entendre <laughs> comment. And Shivani just says something about like, you know, with the something about Flair being with the with with the boys, with the big boys or something like that. Yes, he says he says, well, well, we we know that we know that uh, the
1: Nature Boy likes the likes the big men or something.
0: Yes, yes. And then there's just a pause, <laughs> and I have to think. And they could, <laughs> and then there's just they, a they pause. Show, I just have to think that they that they both looked at him because they showed it at one point, and Shibani <laughs> was sitting in the middle. But I have to think that they were just that they both just turned. They probably they stared at him. daggers like, at Like, Shibani Do you realize what you just said? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. We know that. Know Blair, we the Nature boy likes the, the big moment. boys
1: or something, or or Flair likes the big the big boys or the big guys. Yeah, I mean, and it was
0: just—it was, was the—it was, the, oh, was the perfectly bad timing of being hilarious. Like, the sentence after a double entendre. It was and hilarious. So, like I said, I just—I wonder if he even knows what he said, Tony Shivani. I don't think so. But it was—I I have a hard time.
1: I don't know if Shavani knows what he's saying half the time on commentary, but it's just entertaining as shit. Um. <laughs>
0: Just a reminder that if you are enjoying these episodes but don't necessarily want all of these interruptions and advertisement-type breaks, you can get the episodes early and uninterrupted over at Content Club, uh, that is patreon.com slash Uh where you get, of course, early uninterrupted versions of MCU and Me, Paul and All, Lost with Friends, you get uh, some exclusive stuff. You get some uh, promotional material early before even the social medias get it. So, yeah, check it out. Uh, throw some dough if you choose to do so. Very affordable tiers for the great content that you love. It is a great way to pass the time. And it's a great way to keep the mics and lights on. I can't
1: even. Yeah, that, that's too funny it's too funny. And then there was that whole thing. Yeah, it, it was a very kind of like odd love fest there between between Flair and Ventura, but it was, you know, you got my vote body,
0: you know. <laughs> was... Well, yeah, he's like the mayor. I don't maybe know. one day the senator. And it's like, well, he did, you know, he was the governor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, he was the mayor. He was the governor. Yeah. Minnesota. Oh my gosh, though. So. Well, they I just, said. I love the
1: way that Ventura just calls Shivani Shivani all the time. It really makes me laugh. It just reminds me of the McMahon thing.
0: Well, they said. So and, I mean, it is true with regards to to Flair and and Ventura. They they pretty much did just miss each other in you know in but you kind of hava back. And they forth did between companies for a few years. Yep. So, yep. um, you yeah. know, but uh, yeah, just the like I said, the the love fest between them two on on commentary, and then. Shivani, kind—I mean, met like physically being in the middle, but metaphorically being in the middle, and also trying to keep the match, you know, the calling of the match straight. Is you know, it it made for a very very humorous. He's like, you could you could speak at any time. You you know, uh, uh, Jesse, you can speak at any time. Oh my gosh, he said that so many times. Like he just kept calling him out, where he's like, "You need to talk." Venture is like, Venture is like, I'm saving my voice or
1: something. Tony Giovanni just goes, just goes. You have never been quiet for ever, any moment in your life. Like it was just the 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 love hate between them was pretty fun. Um, I got I you know again I'm gonna reiterate that that in terms of the commentary though, like I didn't mind Flair so much other than that one line.
0: No, but Flair's I really actually really good. I thought it was pretty good
1: to be honest. Um. So, you know, speaking of the match itself, uh, you know, there's a, a Wyndham clearly was the guy that they were setting up to win. The audience was behind him and everything like that. Um, Muda was really great, though. And I think that Wyndham's uh, he really impressed me in terms of, like, the striking. Like, dude, that guy was like, he was hitting with some some weight behind those uh, those punches and the
0: chops and everything. Um well, the unfortunate thing with regards not not I mean obviously yes, Wyndham you know was a, a yeah. little bit more snug of a wrestler, but the unfortunate thing and I I know Jim Ross talks about it on on his podcast a lot, the fact that he was one of the people who was very much for um the company putting the championship on the great muda, and a lot of people were not necessarily mm-hmm. for that. And I know you said you know, the audience mm. was very much you know, wanting Barry Wyndham to win, and it's it's a very unfortunate thing. It's stereotypical of the South, unfortunately, but it is one of those like, yeah, that was very stereo yeah, yeah, you're was, not you're not a yeah. white guy sort of thing, you know, very, very yeah. unfortunate. and that, I mean that's it, it's again, it's terrible. it's it's you know, just like the the line I, from, I from heard flair, but I heard some of that it's for sure you know we can't we can't yeah. change that part of the past but we can definitely look back and say it's terrible that that it happened you know but you know what though
1: i will say that the great muda definitely he proved something with that match because he did a great job um just like you know technically speaking like i thought i thought he was actually the stronger competitor of the two um personally Oh, not yeah, to say were not to to take anything me... away from Barry Windham, but in terms of the in terms of the technical aspects of the match, like like Muda won.
0: Oh yeah, if that you ask me, which one I thought was more deserving of the world championship, Muda for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: But it's um. interesting that they set up a little bit of uh, the the Barry Windham Ric Flair. Tandem after the match as well, like like Wyndham wins the championship and of course gets his hand raised by the referee, and then Flair just kind of sidles up behind them and uh, ties the belt to his waist,
0: and then they have that stare down and the sort but of yeah, begrudging. I think it's I think it's supposed to be that that Wyndham didn't didn't realize that it was Flair. It didn't or realize, it. yeah, he didn't realize yeah. it,
1: right? Yeah, he turned around and he sees Flair, and he's like, "What?" <laughs> yeah yeah so that was I, I think probably my second favorite match on the card um so then we have the white castle of fear match between big van vader with the great harley race in his quarter versus I sting
0: have, i may have missed it it was a strap match
1: okay it was a strap match
0: perfectly fine yes. It's unsanctioned, which I've never understood why they refer to something as unsanctioned if they're going to advertise the crap out of it. Right. Right. (laughs) It doesn't (laughs) make sense
1: to me. Obviously unsanctioned.
0: Right. Yes, of course. What what is the White Castle of Fear aspect of it?
1: I don't know, but every time they said it, all I could think of was Harold and Kumar. Yeah.
0: I, 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 I might have missed it. But I, just... I think
1: it was supposed to be like the, they're, they're near the mountains that are covered with snow, and it's a castle, and it's a white castle, and there's fear, and I don't know. Sting is apparently afraid, or Vader's afraid, somebody's afraid. I don't know. Maybe we're all afraid. I'm yeah, afraid I just, not.
0: I, I, I just don't.
1: I don't understand it. No, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it.
0: Oh, I found it. Okay, so um, it took took about three three things, not pages down, but about three things down on Google. Um, it's on Wrestle Crap, which if you've never visited, fantastic website (laughs) that talks about all the bad things of wrestling. Um. It's uh, White Castle of Fear, scarier than a 10-pack of sliders, it says. Um, Super Brawl 3 was to have a strap match between Sting and Big Van Vader. Of course, since the two had fought many times before and even more times after, WCW felt the need <laughs> to turn up the heat on the match. Therefore, they filmed a promo for Scarier it. With the than it with <laughs> uh, uh therefore I'm they dead. filmed a promo for it with the plot being that Vader was inviting Sting to come to his lair to play a game, and the name of Vader's lair, The White Castle of Fear. Now, if you're like the Russell Crap staff, there's nothing quite as bone-chilling as the prospect of spending time at the local White Castle. <laughs> I mean, sure, they're tasty and all, and we all, have, uh, we all have to have an around-the-world that's a White Castle burger, a fish sandwich, a chicken sandwich, a small fry, and a small onion chip with a large Coke at least once a year. But is it really worth sitting on the commode for the rest of the day? Oh, wait. So- Go ahead. So here's the thing, I have never been to a White
1: Castle ever in my life, because I don't know if we even had them back in Hawaii and stuff,
0: so I don't, I, I've never been. I've never, I don't, I think I was in one, or like at least near, like, drive through maybe, like once, but you could definitely get the burgers at like, well you should be able to get them at like your Walmart or Yeah, you whatever. can get them, yeah, 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 they, they sell them, but it's just. But that's just the burgers, not necessarily all that other stuff. I guess it's a White Castle of Fear. Um, and then it says oh wait vader's white castle isn't really a restaurant at all it's really a castle and it's really scary castle and scary are both very scary so Um, scary or at least that's what wcw would have us believe in fact they were kind enough to uh, ship us this storyboard and i guess that's where those um the vignettes those vignettes come from is that's what it was was i guess sting supposedly visiting the like Vader's lair, the White Castle. Yeah. Yeah, I got that. And then at the very end it says, eventually after all this nonsense we are treated to some real action. Well, we're actually just treated to even more nonsense as Vader challenges the Stinger to an old-fashioned tug-of-war. Basically. Yeah. So
1: Spilled at 450 pounds, by the way. Who, Vader? Vader. Yep, 450 pounds. They kept saying it. I, mean... I don't really believe that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what, though? I mean, I so I remember, didn't like... You know, you know the, the Wrestling with Shadows documentary, the one about yep. Bret Hart and the Montreal yep. screw job and everything. Doesn't he actually say that 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 Big Van Vader, like Vader was actually a, a a realtor?
0: Um he may have been. Um
1: I wonder if that's wait, am I misremembering that? Or is that <laughs>
0: i'm actually i I went to click on his because... on his wikipedia page for something else but i'm not seeing that he was it's not to, again that's not to say that he wasn't um but uh i'm not seeing anything that, about but anyway that. um, I,
1: th- that's just funny to me like i'm picturing that and just going like i would never argue with that man over the price of a property ever um, my favorite, no,
0: I, I gotta say, just personally, and this is has absolutely nothing to do with with anything related to this. One of my favorite Vader things, though, like just in terms of like, because I'm guessing what you're basically saying is like seeing him out in the real world or whatever. His appearances yeah. on Boy Meets World give you that. I, I don't <laughs> know if you I don't know if you ever watched Boy Meets World or not. Um, I
1: did. I I watched. Yeah. I I don't know if I saw. Like
0: I don't know how he he How played um he there was actually so i think he started when he was in wcw and then he uh, appeared later on when he was in wwf they actually did a whole episode where it was the the classic sitcom scenario of i've committed myself to two dates and now i have to go from place to place basically saying i need to use the bathroom at both spots <laughs> and then i go in i do a little dance for a little bit hey how are you oh sorry i have to go use the bathroom again let me run across town and whatever and the fire um, method yeah and it actually wasn't the other one wasn't a date it was um so yeah. if you're it, 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 oh my gosh i can't believe i'm gonna go into boy meets world on here um the character of frankie Stakino, played by ethan suplee uh the from my name is earl and uh kevin smith movies yeah. and things like that he uh, vader yeah, yeah. played his father um and oh, yeah. um i can see that oh yeah <laughs> And um, he wanted to spend more time. Uh, they wanted to spend more time with each other as father and son because they didn't really have a whole lot in common. And so, um, Frankie, the 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 boy, uh, asked for Corey and Sean's help because they knew about wrestling. So basically, it was help me. Uh, help me communicate with my father a little bit, and so they did. But then Corey had a date with Topanga, and then in the end she realizes what happened, and he's like, "I think I can make it up to you." And then they uh, they slow dance in the in the middle of the ring with a spotlight on them, and that's um, that's how they that's how he makes it up to her. Uh, in that episode but basically he has to run back and forth across town um in philadelphia um but there's a there's a there's several times where he's there and he's just like <laughs> you know whatever and um uh a- <laughs> a- matthews um the uh the incredible mom of the show she basically like hits him on like the shoulder and she's like oh come on francis like <laughs> like that's his that's his care i mean that's not his real name of course leon but that's his character (laughs) francis where she's just like are you gonna drive the kids you know are you gonna are you gonna drive the kids and then go to the pta meeting or not like that's basically what she said (laughs) and he's just like truly amazing He just goes, yes, Amy, I am like whatever. But it's just like he comes in and he's just like, you listen here, little lady. I'm not going to (laughs) be taken from you. And then he does like the pose where he does like think of the Hulk Hogan where he takes the fists that are like slightly together and then pulls them apart and then down back again near his belly to pose. And then that's when she like slaps. She come on, Francis, like sort of thing. (laughs) I
1: tell you, I I love that
0: guy. And. So if you haven't already, uh, go check out on Content Club. One of the bonus episodes we have once a month is a show called Two of Us. It features myself and my father uh, going through some different things in Beatles history. Uh, I know that... That may not sound like fun to some people, you may not be a Beatles fan, or maybe you're just a casual fan or what have you, but we're making some interesting discoveries along the way. Because one of the things that we uh, have with that show is I provide a lot of research and things like that, and my dad, who was alive for a lot of it, but kind of caught up later because it was happening when he was, you know, incredibly young. Uh, but he is one of the biggest Beatles fans I know, one of the biggest Beatles fans you'll probably ever meet if you get the chance to meet him, of course. But we kind of provide it's it's almost like a sports commentary sort of deal where I provide some. Play by play, and he provides the color, meaning he can provide some context and some things because he's read various uh, books, he's seen various interviews and heard various interviews and all of these things, and he has such a vast knowledge of all things Beatle-related, and we're covering some topics that aren't necessarily the major topics when it comes to the Beatles. So, if you might be interested, go check it out. It's available on Content Club right now, patreon.com slash clockshelves, and it is called Two of Us, and it's us going through the long and winding road of the Beatles. You know what the thing
1: was? I used to love that, like, mask that he had in his early days. Like, when he would come to the ring and he had that mask on that looked kind of like, you know, it was kind of like, it was kind of Darth Vader-y, or at least like.
0: Oh, okay. You're talking the, like, the big headpiece thing. The big headpiece thing that he had, yeah. Okay. I thought you were talking that, was... that like, red mask that didn't. Not the red anything. mask. No, 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 no. <laughs> the, uh, the actual, the headpiece, the whole thing. Yeah,
1: yeah that was really cool. I um...
0: that. He is accompanied, of course, by Harley Race here. Um, Harley Race, yep. And one of the things I believe uh, I've uh, I believe I especially heard it during um, an episode of Jim Ross's podcast. He said yeah. that uh, Harley Race was kind of put with Vader to kind of keep Vader in line because one of the one of the problems that Vader had was that, um, well, notoriously he did not ever wash his gear, so <laughs> pretty much his stuff <laughs> stank all the time and (laughs) wcw guys will tell you that wwf guys will tell you that his his gear stank and you know he (laughs) he not that he necessarily had like a problem with like drugs or or you know women or anything like that but he just he kind of rubbed some people the wrong way and so harley race was sort of put with him to not just be his manager on screen, but kind of keep him in line in <laughs> you know in real life as well. Where I, I I don't know why I find that hilarious. What, that his gear stank or
1: No, that Arlie Ray had to like be there to like get like wash her
0: gear fader. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That but uh great. yeah, so that's that it's it's just upsetting to me in a way because, like Vader, definitely had more potential than he ever yeah. got credit for. Obviously, when he when he later went to the WWF, he kind of got sandbagged a little bit because, yeah, you know, he allegedly uh, didn't work with Shawn Michaels well enough, and Shawn wasn't in the best place then, and he admits that more than anybody. Um, but the other thing that's yeah. really disappointing is sting and let me elaborate on that because i know how that sentence sounds sting is probably one of the best to ever do it yeah but sting was never the guy he was never the draw And it's a real shame because he deserved to be that. And what I mean is, Mm -hmm. and I mean, this as no disrespect to Ric Flair. I've, I've said it on this show. I've said it in my personal life. I'll say it to pretty much anybody that asks me who is the best to ever do it. I would say Ric Flair, probably very closely followed by Shawn Michaels. Some might argue Shawn Michaels better. And I'm saying that, and neither of them are even my favorite wrestler ever. But I there's to me there's a difference between my favorite and the best. Okay? And I think that yeah. Flair is arguably the best to ever do it. Flair yeah. did not We talked about this, I believe when Kevin was on. Flair couldn't draw for WCW. Like they didn't make it big until Hogan came in. Right? Remember mm-hmm. I I believe I said that when when Kevin was on. I said like they yeah. didn't they don't, yeah. you know, whatever, and that's just unfortunately that's what it is. And then later on, um, and now, if realistically, if Flair couldn't draw, Sting couldn't draw, <laughs> you know what I mean? He couldn't, he couldn't get money mm-hmm. I mean, enough money, like meaning to mm-hmm, to be mm-hmm. able to compete on the level of WWF. That's what I mean by that. I'm not saying they didn't make money or anything like that, but well, actually, technically they did, yeah, correct. But, um, but I mean, in terms of of uh, being able to to compete with the WWF at that level and then even later on yes when hogan you know turned you know nwo and sting became the crow and all of these things basically the word that bishop yeah, says yeah. is that you know they spent that was a year and a half or whatever sting you know and then it, it culminated in uh um uh Starcade 97 sting versus hollywood hogan for the title and it was supposed to be the fast count and You know, there's a whole there's a whole bit of shenanigans behind that. But one of the things that that uh, um, Bischoff has consistently said, and it became a joke on their podcast uh, on on Bischoff's podcast, that's uh, sort of a recurring thing. He says one of the things was that Sting, Steve Borden, wasn't tan enough. And of course, Conrad Thompson, his co-host, picks him apart for that. What do you mean he wasn't tan enough? And he he said that that was one of the many things, because what he had noticed was that sting because he wasn't having matches or anything he didn't necessarily keep up with his appearance meaning he may not have Mm. been hitting the gym as much he didn't necessarily you know because it was always that thing of you know you got to be tan and you got to be buff and you got to you know all those things and he didn't necessarily keep up with his appearance (laughs) as much he didn't seem he didn't look like a stereotypical main eventer and his Mm -hmm, performance mm -hmm in the ring sort of reflected that so even when he was yeah. given the chance to build up to the greatest match in at that point the well and, and maybe even afterwards the greatest match in WCW history he didn't necessarily live up to that now you know obviously the longevity of his career and all of those things he can certainly be talked about as being on the mount rushmore because of his work in you know obviously the nwa the wcw TNA for all those years, not so much his brief run in WWE, but what he's able to be, to come back and do even now in AEW. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind that he is deserving of the nicknames, the icon, the legend, Sting, any of those things that you mm-hmm. want to give to him. He is 100% deserving of those, but I believe that he deserved more. Yeah. Yep. And every I time I see him in a main event like this, it just reminds me that it wasn't more. Yeah,
1: I agree. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Well said. Should we talk about the match itself?
0: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, we talked around it. Yeah,
1: I mean, do you have anything to say about? because i don't know i don't really have much to say other than like it was a strap match and it was you know it, it they
0: the ending they sucked the he kicked him and off and bloody. that's how he won that sucked
1: that was weird that was a very weird ending i don't even yeah yeah, I, I that 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 was almost as puzzling to me as the end of that Royal Rumble match with with Macho, where Macho tries to pin Yokozuna instead of you know, yeah, yeah, that it, it just boggles the mind. <laughs> I, and but, I was a little bit surprised by that because, like you said, you know, Sting Sting deserved more, and Sting I think should have won that that match and should have become champion. Uh, Vader. You know, Vader winning, and I mean, all you know, like I, I really enjoyed v- Big Van Vader, and I really liked watching his matches and stuff, and I love his, you know, I love his. It's Vader time, you know, but like, it was just weird. It was a weird ending, and Sting cool. just takes the strap and just starts whipping it at the core. I mean, like you know. I, I don't know that that it's just indicative to me of this whole pay-per-view, which was just like, it just seemed very kind of haphazard to me and not very satisfying.
0: Well, and, that, and that's the thing. And I, I think it sort of goes with what I was what I was just saying. Like, it's yeah, it, if I if if you had showed this to me, and it I'm, does not very much. I, I'm not saying I did or didn't watch it when I was a kid. But like, if you had showed this to me when I was a kid, I probably would have been in love with this pay-per-view because mm-hmm. like they do mm-hmm. they they well they try to do a very good job of like keeping you hype like the entire time yeah they tried and and again obviously the rest you know the the wrestling audience was different right like they WWF yeah. excuse me WWF was trying to market towards kids to a certain extent WWF was trying back to market then. towards kids and whatever but for me 30 years ago looking back what i see is I try and I and I try, and we that's one of the things that we do. It's you know with the show is reflecting and analyzing wrestling, right? So we are reflecting and analyzing. And one of the things that I try to do, and I'm sure you you feel the same way is I try to put myself into the headspace of what would me of the time, yeah, thought about this, but also what does me of now think about this? And me of the time, again, I probably would have loved it. I probably would have loved the the sting. I I would have been then. caught up in it. I would have been like, right. oh,
1: wow, this is a really, you know, like they're really just beating the crap out of each other. Of course, I wouldn't have said that back then. But, you know,
0: but the me, like it. I said, the, the me of now. And maybe it's because I'm I'm and maybe I've maybe I, I you know, it's going to sound terrible, but maybe I've kind of ruined it for myself by, you know, reading all the things that I do, and you know, about behind the scenes and all of that. But I I, just... I
1: I felt that inclination the first time that I ever saw like the, the NWO, like the Blu-ray, you know, documentary thing that they released about it um, where they, you know, yeah, it, it, that was one of the first things, one of the first behind the scenes things that I ever watched about wrestling because like I said, I was coming off that like 18 years that I never watched it.
0: See, I've, so, I mean, I've been I've I've always loved that sort of stuff, though, like the behind the scenes. Yeah, of, it's of really anything. interesting. It's of, really
1: I, interesting. But like, you know, just hearing everybody just just, you know, I, I don't know. To me, it just kind of but like I just wonder a
0: little bit of the magic away. And that's it. I just wonder if now I'm too. Critical, because like I said, now yeah. all I see is. Yeah. I don't. It sounds terrible to say, and I and I hate this phrase, but all I see is wasted potential. Great Muda could have been so much better. Yeah, Barry Windham could have been a fantastic world champion. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? This this Vader and and Sting. Like I said, Sting deserved probably more than anybody really in 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 wrestling. Sting deserved like he deserved that. You know who? Let me tell you this, okay. Sting mm-hmm. was once in a tag team with a gentleman known as the Dingo Warrior, okay? And the fact that the Dingo Warrior went on to be the ultimate warrior and got the spotlight in the biggest company in the world in, in terms of, of wrestling and all of those things, and Sting yeah. didn't get all of that, that yeah. is BS to me. That is that, that is, is that, truly,
1: that's a travesty.
0: Right. That's what Sting should have got. And again, I'm not saying that he hasn't he hasn't, you know, we don't look back now and say, oh my gosh, all the amazing things that he's done, but he should have got that then. He should have got that over the years. The years that the years that Vince and you know Hogan and Bischoff and everybody spent trying every single time to make the warrior work, the multiple times in WWF, the one absolutely horrific time in wcw Um, (laughs) and you know all of those all of those things instead of spending all of that on on warrior that it could have been put back into and and you know invested into sting and so now unfortunately and, and again vader too like i said i i think that he 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 deserved better as well Um, maybe he kind of got in his own way a little bit, Vader, maybe, maybe, maybe Sting did too, like I said, you know, Bischoff said like, oh, he wasn't, he wasn't tan enough, he maybe let himself go a little bit, so maybe, maybe they did bring it on themselves, I'm not saying they did or didn't, I wasn't there, I don't know, you know what I mean, I only know what I hear from, from stories and, you know, second or, 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 you know, sometimes first hand knowledge but as we know there's always three versions there's your version my version and the truth right so there's mm-hmm. there's three versions to every story so i i only hear and and read the stories that i hear and read but i think that they and amongst others on this card deserved better than than this as i reflect and analyze looking back on it yeah in terms of 1993 this was probably a great card But in terms of looking back on it 30 years later, it's, you know, I know you like to ask the question a lot. So I'm going to preemptively say it's probably a 4.5 for me. You know, it's it's fine. It's not bad. I'll probably not think about it again.
1: For me, it's a three. Yeah, it's a three. Yeah, uh, I, was not, I was not 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 big into this
0: one. Yeah, oh, no. I know. I told you I would do it on the air. I'm going to do it right now. I do apologize to you. Um, No, I to, don't I, even I, I apologize to you for for because I'm, I'm the one who suggested watching this. Um, don't you don't out there, even if you apologize. Out there, if you out there watched this as well, I apologize to you. You probably could have just listened to us talk about it and got pretty much the highlights of uh, of just about everything that happened without actually having to endure it. But considering it took me about three or four days to actually watch it because I kept falling asleep, I definitely apologize <laughs> to you, sir. Because uh, but no, especially once you told me you watched it twice, it...
1: <laughs> I did. I may maybe even a third time or at least two and a half times. I mean, I was just trying to get, you know, prepped to to be like, okay, do I do I have anything else that I really want to say about this or, or, you know, like I was really three pages
0: of notes. I'm very curious, you know,
1: (laughs) (laughs) well, I mean, I think I overdid that, obviously, but um. Yeah, you know, I just, I, I was jotting down lines that like, that, that Ventura said and everything. So it was just, you know, it's probably full of that stuff. But like, it's interesting though to go back and to actually watch these shows. Like, I, I do get something out of it in terms of like, you know, watching, seeing everybody in that era and in that sort of frame of reference of like, this is where they were in their career, too cold Scorpio, you know, like, Like like Bischoff, even I didn't expect him to be even on it. Um, British Bulldog, you know, making his debut in WCW, and of course, you know, the Hollywood blondes. I was to say Steve Austin in the opening match. Steve (laughs) Austin in the opening match. I mean, so interesting. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see that. So, you know, I did I I do feel like I I got some enjoyment out of it and if it wasn't for Muda's match with with Wyndham and the Benoit and Two Gold Scorpio match, I think this would be even worse than a three for me. <laughs> but like But in terms of what it is, yeah, it's not my favorite pay-per-view. But did I actually, you know, did I actually get something enriching out of it? I will say that yeah, I think I did to a degree because it's it's good to go back and watch these things it's good to have that sense of history and it's good to know like what happened that year well uh, i'm just a nerd i'm just a big old nerd that's that's what it
0: is well next week uh you know we will we're going to continue on this however we are going to be back to regularly scheduled programming cuz uh the dog show is uh, over the dog um... show has <laughs> And uh, we will be we will be back to talking Ended. about WWF Monday Night Raw from the fifteenth of February nineteen ninety three, um, and here's what we have: just a little 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 sneak pre little sneak I almost said sneak preview little sneak peek of what we have to look forward to: the Steiner <laughs> brothers, Reza yeah. Ramon. So maybe we could uh, get a little little uh, imp- impression next week, sure. and of course we have a little bit more. Brutus, the fucking Barber beef the
1: Beef King barber beefcake.
0: <laughs> Wonderful. so uh, that's what we have to Can't look wait. forward to next week, um, <laughs> but unless we have anything else to talk about Super Brawl 3, which I personally don't unless I have something to tag up on if you have something, but I'm just going to say for myself, personally, I don't have anything else, so I'm going to uh, kick it over to you, sir, because if you have anything else, I would say uh, this would probably be the time, if not let them know where uh, they can find you and all the other stuff that you do all around the oh, internet. All I have
1: to say is I hope that Ventura finally taught Tony Shivani the difference between a B.O. and a hip toss. Um, I so you can find me on uh, on the Twitter, on the Twitter at neoplasmic24 you can also find me at uh, renegadepopculture.com we just uploaded an episode today as a matter of fact um which was about the dc uh movie slate that was announced last week or earlier this week i should say or no i guess you could say last week um and yeah that's that's pretty much it you can also follow us on twitter there at ren pop culture that's ren not stimpy and um you can also find me on my best friends uh Twitch streams uh Tuesday night and Thursday and Friday afternoon. Um that is at twitch.tv slash and that is S O M E P I S H N A M E D R E D. And uh also in the in the near future we will have um my own uh Twitch stream hopefully happening, and that'll be at twitch.tv neoplasmic. So
0: there you go. Uh, for me, of course, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at JPGRB. Um, for all of my creative stuff, you can follow Clockshelves on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's C-L-O-C-K-S-H-E-L-V-E-S. Now, I'm assuming if you got this far into the episode, you are aware that um, because we forgot to say it at the top like we normally do, this is actually a podcast co-production between mm-hmm. Renegade Pop Culture and uh, Clock Shelves Entertainment. So, um, definitely want to give uh from from my side to your side and your side to my side. We want to give a, a nice shout out to uh, our our collaborators there between uh, both. Um, sides of the of the fence of course renegade pop culture and clock shelves entertainment so make sure you go follow those accounts follow the people that are involved in those accounts which are probably often retweeting and replying and liking all of those things um so uh yeah you can find a whole lot going on there um renegade pop culture is pretty much uh let's see if i if i got it right this time need an escape so do we uh did i get it right that time you got it. All right, I messed it up the one time, and I'm self conscious about it every time now. Um, but oh, yeah, you're they, we... they do. Um, they'll, they'll see it in the logo. <laughs> they do uh, uh, film related stuff, anime stuff, video game stuff, um, and so on. Uh, and Shelves Entertainment does. uh We do a lot of rewatch stuff, kind of like this. Um, we do uh a lot of um, we do obviously we co produce this show. Um. We rewatch uh, some Buffy. We're doing the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And, you know, nice. I actually do a, a show uh, on my own called Paul and All, where it's myself talking with anyone and everyone about anything and everything. As I as I say, no topic is too small here on our show, Paul and All. So <laughs> um, you can definitely go check that out. Once again, uh, clock shelves on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. That's C-L-O-C-K-S-H-E-L-V-E-S so check out all the things that we do check us out next time as we are going to be talking about monday night raw from february 15th 1993 featuring some of your favorite new generation era stars from the wwf um and hear us uh one more time and hopefully many more times reflecting and analyzing (laughs) wrestling raw a co-production between Renegade Pop Culture and Clock Shelves Entertainment. Thank you everyone for listening and have a good rest of your time.
1: Thanks everybody, see ya.